right. All right. Welcome back to another episode of the Float Universe podcast. I am very pleased to have tonight's guest, a long, long overdue um, interview. This guy's been a friend of mine since the beginning of my float journey, so he's been very important to my learning. And really, I, I basically used your model of how we communicated at the float center as the model I used when I was there. And uh, so I'd like to welcome Will to the Float Universe. How are you tonight? Doing good, brother. Thank you. It's an honor to be here. Likewise, man. If it wasn't for you, I don't know if I would have gone as deep into floating because when I first came to the place that we shall not mention the name, you were the one that was, you know, it was you and a business partner. So before I get into my my story about meeting you, tell me how you 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 guys started floating and you got into the float center, you built the float center. Give me a little bit of the inception of the place that became, it's still there to this day, but tell me a little bit about how you got into this whole journey of floating and spirituality, psychedelic, etc. Well, so I was in high school and I haven't had any experiences with psychedelics, but I did have to start to have a spiritual awakening and became aware of lucid dreaming and astral projection and the concept of being able to exit the body, indicating that we had a soul and some type of light body that we could utilize outside of our own physical identification and vessel. And that really started to expand my mind. And then I got onto the secret, you know, that became a thing at that time. And then I'd come across the documentary DMT, you know, that was the spokesperson for that was Joe Rogan and really awesome. That really opened up my eyes. And so I just had a lot of things that were exposing me to the spiritual nature of our reality. And I remember specifically, I don't remember how I came across floating. It was sometime through that journey of doing research, but specifically being in the weightlifting gym in high school. And I remember talking to an acquaintance of mine at the time, and I had just told him that I'd had this vision or this idea. It's like, I feel like one day I'm going to run a flow center. And that was just this thought I had. And it just felt like a knowing. And it was quite ambitious and stoic and humble for where I was at consciously at the time. But come to find out, it was true. And here we are. So the journey of having gotten to that point was a few years later. After having gotten to explore with psychedelics and started to really get to know myself, the, my, my brother Dante, my good friend at the time, uh, he had a brother, Derek, and I grew up with them. They were like my family. And the older brother, Derek, had an idea of making his own float tank. It was interesting using it as an aid of meditation and the benefits that came with it because we trained mixed martial arts at the time as well. So it was kind of like this biohacking thing. And he was like the MacGyver. So he was able to do things like this. And about six months into him deciding to create this, he had the idea that, well, why don't we just try and open up a business with this and make this accessible to everybody? So that was where the conception of this business had come to play. And then it was him and his his younger brother, Dante, and I, and we had basically started this journey. But it was like them, they were like the business partners, and I was just like the homie who helped out. 
I was like the hippie, you know. So, right. Um, but it didn't really work out for them, and then Dante had peaced out, and basically he needed someone else to be able to put their blood and soul into that. So that was me, and that is how I became fully ingrained within it. And yeah, the that's rest how you, yeah, that's how you met me. So. For for those that don't know, the, the the reason why we're not mentioning the name of the float center is we we and we'll get to this later. We almost had a parallel paths in a way where we had a business partner that ended up ended up going south, right? Ultimately, for both of us, uh, I think for different reasons, and we'll get into that. But again, that's the reason why we're not mentioning the name of the float center. I don't believe in putting energy into stuff. I'm not uh, wanting to grow, you know. And and again, not no hate towards the place or or, or to the person that I'm not referring to, but. Um, I, I found it interesting, a very interesting parallel when I was about halfway through my journey of basically doing what you were doing because my business partner was the money person and that and that was kind of what your you know Derek was. Derek was the money person there and you were the the in the spiritual person. And it, when I came into float, it was basically like a choice of like salt and pepper, you know, like um, or maybe sugar versus salt because you know, Derek is very straightforward, straight laced, uh, you know, more about just the the Joe Rogan, uh, you know, science approach towards it. And you were more of that spiritual person who really I, I was only slightly into psychedelics at the time, but you really opened that door up for me uh, to a much larger degree. And then even beyond that, the spiritual aspect was also a, a huge component of it. And so I learned from sitting with you for, I don't know, let's see, 2000, probably three or four years that, um, you know, being able to hold space for somebody, uh, a loving oneness, non-judgment, you know, open-heartedness, very important keys to, you know, running a successful float center in terms of what people are experiencing and what they come out of the room and bring to you. So thank you for that. But I just wanted people to understand that uh, we, we, we both have actually had a very similar past with this business um, and where, yeah, like it was a money person and then like a spiritual not to say that my my business partner wasn't spiritual, she, she definitely is. But um, again, that's a maybe we'll get to that tonight. Maybe we won't. But I just wanted to get to a quick intro of how we met and the float center and and how that's been a huge part of our friendship. But then also the psychedelics and the spirituality that came with that, like understanding what we were, you know, opening doors to and how were we how we would. Um, integrate you know it was a great it's a great integration tool with psychedelics but yeah man it's just been a wild ride and i i it's almost like i want to talk to you to talk about what i went through too with my business partner at the again at the same location but yeah derek started out with a homemade tank and you know floating is regulated differently throughout the states florida is actually one of the tougher states in terms of float tank regulation they treat it like a swimming pool for those that don't know meaning you know, a float tank's usually built for one person. It's only 350 gallons of water. It's a thousand pounds of Epsom salt. It's not like a swimming pool at all. And so to be, to be regulated like a swimming pool is actually pretty tough because like, you know, like putting the sign in the room, it's like, don't drown and stuff. Like only 10 people can get in the pool at a time. It just didn't apply. So, you know, we didn't really have to deal with a lot of that in the beginning, but I know you guys did. And so eventually you guys got rid of that homemade pod. And actually you put in the pod that's in the picture behind me here. I took I took this picture there uh, during my during the times where I was actually trading. You know, it became a beautiful thing for me where I was almost uh, for a, a long period of time 
floating for trade, floating for free in a way for, you know, online pictures, social media services. And yeah, me and you, we had a few great nights there. I can remember one in particular with mm -hmm. mushrooms and I, and I, and I made sure to integrate all I learned with you. And I passed that on to a lot of the same clients that you were uh, friends. A lot of people missed you when the business changed hands. And especially when you left prior to it changing hands, because I think when you left, you know, here's the thing, what people don't understand about this place. It's like a shed, you know, it's not like kudos to, to you and Derek and, and, and uh, Dante for getting it started, but it never, I think, I mean, tr truthfully, I think the place is kind of cursed in a way. I don't know how you, what do you think about that? Do you, do you feel any omens about that place or what do you think about like how you started? Cause you would agree, right? That place is like a shed. <laughs> well, it was literally a warehouse, uh, like a little office warehouse. And I sold yeah. 1970s, 80s thing. Ah, but humble beginnings, right? Yeah, that's, well, exactly. That's, that's where we started and it worked out, you know, like I was just thinking as you were mentioning, yeah, it's, it's awesome to reminisce because I don't think about my journey there very often anymore. But yeah, that tank that Derek had made, we used to call it Old Reliable. Old Reliable. Yeah, that was, was the first one I floated in, yeah. Right. It, would, it started to be a pain in the ass to maintain. And it started to absorb moisture in the insulation on the top half of the shell. It became really heavy. You'd have to be replacing the springs all the time. And But yeah, I just remember giving it that name, Old Reliable. And this one... Would, the nickname for it was Ginny because we called it Genesis. Yeah, Genesis, uh, and the other one was Oasis. Yep, that's right. Ah, and yeah, here we are. And so to answer your question, though, in regards to the energy of the space, yeah, I wouldn't exactly say it's cursed. It's I think it's just the karmic accumulation of all the people involved in the journey. And ultimately, it's all going to be serving our highest good, even if there's inconvenience involved. And that was always the perception I had, despite the challenges and trials and error that came with it. And ultimately, while wow, I was grateful to leave, the time had come because everything had, had signaled that mm -hmm. we become root-bound. And that meant that we needed to shift the energy. We needed to shift the pot because the plant was growing. Well, the thing was, too, was when we took over, it was falling apart. You know, you, you, oh, had, yeah. left, you had left for personal reasons with Derek, which maybe you want to get into, maybe not. Um, maybe when we talk about my, my issues with my partner, but... You know, I, I learned two things there, I think, and I knew it kind of when you were doing it was the yoga room never should have been expanded as big as it was. I, I thought it was perfect when it was the smaller yoga room and you had those two rooms left, the one that you were actually, and both of us, by the way, interestingly enough, I lived there almost the whole two years that I was involved in it. Actually, I was involved for about two and a half years, but I ended up getting kicked out about uh, almost close to the end of the second year, just because, um, you know, she wanted it to go a certain way. And, you know, obviously what the way it was set up for me, I wasn't making, I, w I was making $500 a week as the blood, sweat and tears of like, you know, I was there for 60, 70, 80 hours a week. Cause I was living there. I would accommodate people at five in the morning till 10 at night or until I just didn't feel like doing it anymore. And so it's interesting that you also live there for a period of time. And uh, that that became your home as well. But I, I really think the the biggest problem was when that yoga room was expanded, because those rooms. Here's the issue with that place: the rent. They never you'll never own it for one thing. That's a problem. But the rent was so high that you needed to put a third tank or at least 
maybe four if possible. But when you guys knocked down that wall, I said, man, I don't know. Like, cause I, you know, yoga is great and all, but it, it's not a, it's not a big money maker. And I think that it expanded way too fast. That that's my personal opinion. And also even in, in my situation, when I was doing the job of four or five people, it was just me and my business partner. We were still upside down because of the rent, you know? And we get, we get calls from people all the time. It's like, let's do three or four. Let's do a group of people. I'm like, we can only do two at a time. And sometimes we couldn't even do two at a time because, you know, people on the schedule, uh, members, uh, you know, unlimited membership. That's another loser, by the way, I, I think personally in my experience. But what do you think? Um, do you think that yoga room was a, a blessing or, or did it end up, you know, shooting the place in the foot? I know you and your, your wife benefited from it ultimately. But what what do you think about what happened when you guys started expanding and then also your kind of exit? You know, you want to talk about that? Yeah. So ultimately, it was a big decision to make, deciding between using that extra space to put another tank or to break down the walls and expand the yoga space. Yeah. I think it was both a combination of finances, being able to actually afford another tank, as well as the regulations, as well as how much it would cost to have gotten funding over there. I can't remember all the details anymore, to be honest, but right. we obviously thought long and hard about it. And that just ended up being the decision that we went with. So yeah, on one level, I could see how that could have been a shot in the foot, so to speak. Well, that's why I mean by you also expanding too fast, which was if you would have, you know, grown at a slower pace that maybe you could have eventually accommodated that place with another room. And it was a great storage place. I don't know. I just didn't feel like it, you know, the, the yoga and also the locations poor. It's a very poor area. It's not a great spot in terms of bringing people in. People would tell me all the time how disappointed they were in the facility itself. You know, I mean, towards the end there, I was catching rats. Like literally, I was when I was living there, I was on LSD, you know, live catching them though. I was never killing them. But I got videos of me catching rats on LSD, um, you know, three o'clock in the morning, you know, because it's cold outside and they, you know, they know a human's in there and they and I've got some food and I wasn't a slob, but they would still find it, you know. So people, in my opinion, and this is when we put a lot of money into it too. Like that was the one thing I'll say about my business partner. They did end up putting about twenty thousand dollars worth of work in there. Um, to fix all the things because when we took over, man, that place was fucked up. Yeah. Like, like the the pipes were held together by crystallized salt, and when I melted the salt down, it was just leaks everywhere. You know, like literally, the place was held together by encrusted salt. Um, the shower, both room were, were a mess. The 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 sub pump or whatever you guys had in the Oasis room that was a nightmare to to fix. The RV showers, I remember. You know, both of them at one point had RV showers, but again, like. You guys are young men in their teens and 20s doing this. So, so again, kudos to that. It, I mean, it literally started out with carpet in, a, in like a, a business plaza with a homemade tank that he found the blueprints for online. And, and like, I, like I said, RV showers. Um, and eventually, you guys, again, upgraded to the one behind me. Um, did you know my last day there before I was shit canned? some woman came in and she put a blue line around the tank with her hair dye. Did you know that? Yeah. I remember you telling me that. Yeah. Like dear yeah. God. And, 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 and you know, my business business partner didn't want to do anything about it. I'm like, all right, well, and I'm sitting there that next morning trying to clean this blue line and I get, uh, we go at it and long story short, short, I'm out of there. 
And now they're for sale again. I don't know if you knew that, but it's for sale. $65,000. Yes, I'm aware of that. And that will lead into this time loop of how it's coming back full circle and how we happen to be having this conversation and how I feel it's really bringing a closure to the the healing journey that it's provoked in all of us and ultimately is a gift from the great spirit. Yeah. So for instance, you know, that big decision deciding to get a, a third tank or do the yoga center. Um, yeah, expanding it ended up allowing yoga to ultimately thrive, which really ended up being awesome, in my opinion, due to the fact that my wife got to take a really big role in it. And yoga was popping. And the size that it was before we took down those walls and expanded it would not have been able to facilitate the amount of flow we had coming there. Whereas the possibility of having a third tank was not promising enough because we weren't always busy and we didn't have a full schedule. Also, not being very financially abundant to buy a tank itself and to potentially drown on that, it just like, yeah, and we also, felt like we needed to do that. I remember that these tanks were also grandfathered in, you know, because the law had changed and they're like, well, you were here before. I mean, this place we're talking about, I think, was the first, I don't know if in the state of Florida, but I know for a fact it was the first float center in central Florida. Correct. So you guys, and yeah, this was, was 2000, cool. 2013. Yeah, it was cool. And, and it was kids, too, that were inspired by Joe Rogan. You know, that was, you know, love him or hate him. Joe Rogan was a big part of my journey into floating. And because I'd seen this stuff when I was a kid, but it was very inaccessible. I'd read about John Lilly a little bit because I was into that kind of stuff. But you know, um, I'm tremendously thankful for the place, uh, not only to have worked there, because I remember, you, I don't know if you remember, I, I worked there for a couple months when you guys owned it. I and and um, I ended up getting out of there because, I don't know, Derek was just being so like meticulous about things that really didn't matter, like salesmanship, like like selling, like selling memberships and stuff like that. Hold on one second here. Can you hear that? Okay, good. No, it was like a YouTube commercial on my screen. <laughs> but um, I was just curious to know how is the volume from my end? Uh, your your volume is good. You know, you you, you sound. I, I would have told you in the beginning if it was like you know, unacceptable. But um, so I'm tremendously thankful because not only did we do psychedelics and you got me, you, you really brought me into that world and you helped me understand it and just you know like the Tao Te Ching and you know, all the, uh, I, I guess, um, all the spiritual stuff, you know, every day it would be a new, I would sit there on the couch with you and it'd be a new spiritual lesson. You know, you're, you're almost half my age. So it was very interesting to get that from, you're, you're very spiritually gifted is what I'm trying to say. And, uh, and so is your wife and your kids, I'm sure are, what are your kids' names? Krishna, Phoenix, and Yeshua. Exactly. Very, very, <laughs> very spiritual. And, uh, I hope your wife's doing okay and, and, and thriving. I think she is. I see her online from time to time. Oh, she is. Yeah. Don't know but, what I'd do without her. Don't we all say that? What's that? <laughs> yeah, I don't know what I would do without her. Right. Well, no, you guys have a great story too. Meeting on Valentine's Day and getting the Ohm tattoo. Yeah, look at that. You still remember that. Wow. Oh, man, I remember everything about it. As much weed as I smoked, I still remember it all like it was yesterday because it was so impactful to me to be able to come to this place that was 
five minutes away from where I was living at the time. I had discovered this place at a very low point in my life. I was spiritually bankrupt. I mean, I wasn't necessarily spiritually bankrupt, but I was not almost like materialistic, hedonistic, atheist, not hating God, but just, you know, whatever. It doesn't matter to me. Just let me live my life. Um, but, you know, the physical pain I was suffering and then the mental uh, also, I was able to find great relief of floating. So I do, again, to this day, I floated in Omaha the other day. You know, I'm still spreading the message. And you, again, like, I started Float Universe because I would come to the place and I would have these talks with you and I would have no outlet to put it in terms of my regular social media because I was running a successful business at the time. And my clients were, you know, I, I don't know what they were ultimately, but I didn't want them to think something of me that was, oh, he's a druggie or he's, oh, he's not a Christian or he's a, he's a Buddhist or, you know, I don't want them to get any misconceptions and, and I'm, and I'm none of those things, but I didn't want them to think that by virtue of me saying, Hey, I'm going to go lay naked in this pod here and I, I might talk about mushrooms. So I started float universe as an outlet for these experiences I was having um, and almost, almost as an anonymous person, but it was allowing me to express it. And so, yeah, you were basically the genesis of all, uh, of what, what, what I'm still doing to this day in terms of keeping this account going, keeping the message going, talking about God, talking about drugs, talking about floating. So thank you. You are a big part of this still. I know we don't talk as much as we used to. I know you're super busy and I've been super busy too. But we used to have the longest, deepest conversations about all kinds of things. And I mean, I, I, I don't even know where to begin with that. But again, I just want to say thank you. And um, it's been a, a great ride. And I, I just remember why you guys almost bought Solar Float, you know, and there was a whole big fallout with that. You and Brandy and, um, you know, Derek and then me, us taking over and uh that going a certain way and, and, and what I think killed it for us was the shutdown and the pandemic. How, how did you get through that by the way? Like how was your pandemic um, experience? Well, first off, I'd just like to say aho to everything you said about Genesis, Genesis of our friendship, our relationship. Uh -huh. Yeah. Ah, it's so awesome to see how far you've come. And it's just free. It's an honor. To like see it's like dude you're still standing man float universe is still standing as the ground of this, this beautiful world and it's been such an awesome outlet for so many people and i feel honored to finally be able to connect with you on the level through this this medium that's been created as a result of all the experiences we've gone through yeah. so thank you for that brother anytime yeah. yeah so with that being said how did i survive the epidemic how did i get through that um hmm. That was an interesting one. A massive spark of awakening for many people. And so for me, it really dove me back into conspiracy land. I'll tell you that. You, you no. know, me too. I, 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 didn't, <laughs> I didn't like that, but it's like, you know, this is the truth here. And, you know, I don't care who likes me at this point, but I've got to really just tell it how it is. Right. Yeah. And it's important to have factual understanding and to gain discernment and to question narratives, including the narratives that we find behind the scenes, labeled as conspiracies, you know, with disinformation and everything out there. It's it's important for some people to go through that. And so those who had the passion, the desire to do that, were able to do that and became those those speakers of truth and providing information and 
everybody gathering and collecting and sharing and uh it was it, it was like this little war that was going on because we were becoming divided and conquered through deceptive means and so with these implantations of these concoctions that were convincing the people who didn't know any better that oh this is what we need to do to protect ourselves whereas we'd have on the other spectrum those who were like that's not the truth that's definitely not the way but what could happen what i observed and what i had fallen into in certain moments was that very division of being stuck within the dualistic entanglement uh, i'm right no well i'm right yeah. well no you're wrong well you're wrong and Although one may be factually correct, neither of us are anchored in truth because we've lost peace. We've lost compassion. And that's what can happen if we become entangled within the webs of, of relative truth is what I would call it at the time. And that truth is both what is authentic to the individual and the transcendent quality of it. And so your truth could be, yes, I'm going through a hard time right now. And even if it's by your own limitations, or by your own perspective or beliefs, it's still your authentic truth. But truth is not just limited to that. It's something that can transcend those that and that limitation, that authentic state of which it's at. So what I found was that it was important to be aware of these things, but to be careful of falling into conflict. And so it actually became a powerful practice of compassion that was able to pierce the defenses of differences amongst the right and the wrong the left and the right you know the republican and the right. democrat and the, the, the binary yeah the q and the the non-q people like whatever right. it was. like that's that's what i saw and so yeah it just became i just became a silent observer at that point and started just praying a lot and still going through my journey of gathering information and sharing that with the few people that we had a resonant conversation with. But you'll find out pretty quick that you're not going to be able to convince somebody of changing their mind if they're not receptive to that. And in order to be filled with something new, our cup has to be empty. We have to be empty. Mm -hmm. And so if we're not being given permission to provide an alternative perception, more than likely it's going to get shut down. And I think that's where a lot of conflicts were happening amongst families. It's because there was there was so much strong conviction from both sides. Like, bro, look at this video, man. You got to see what's going on with the cabal. It's like, bro, you got to listen to the scientists and what they're saying about COVID. You know, and it's like yeah. everybody is just has so much strong conviction and is essentially driven by fear. Because on one end, it's justice based. It's like, we need to do this for our freedom. You know, and I'm like, I'm afraid I'm going to lose you. But then on the other end, it was basically the same thing, you know? <laughs> right. So, yeah, yeah. Man, it, it was intense. But the the solution for me and my personal experience was becoming a silent observer and holding compassion for everybody involved. And yeah. And yeah, so that's that's one aspect of what I went through. So you were able to, and, and, and again, at this time, though, what were you doing? Just being a dad? Oh, yeah. Still so, you, so, but I'm saying you you weren't in a like for let me go through mine. So mine mine was again a. a I agree with you. It's like you, everybody had their subjective truth, but there is an objective reality out there that I do believe that we can all eventually see and, and find. And it was a game of polarization where yeah, mask or no mask, vaccine or no vaccine. You know, is this a scam? Is this a you know you know versus not? So 
for me, having a certain conviction, um, and, and again, my, my business partner, who you know well, said basically at the end, you've lost your oneness. You know, you've lost your, and, and I, but I could say the same thing to her. It's just she, she, she pulled the strings financially and was able to say, you got to go. I wasn't able to do that. I didn't have that power. But I could also argue that she was just as polarized if I was, if not more. But I, every day I had to ride this line of, for example, um, people coming in with a mask on. I refused to wear the mask except for two people because they basically said um, they're not going to come here and they're going to make a stink about it if I don't. So for the sake of the business, there was only two times. And this was like a white, old white woman with a Black Lives Matter mask on too. Like, But the thing was, I would only wear it to appease them in, in front of me. So as soon as they went in that room and got in the float tank, the mask came off, you know, and it, it did become a certain point where I said, I'm not doing this for anybody. Uh, I don't care what they believe. I don't care if they're going to go. They just need to experience the truth, which is there's nothing to fear here. I mean, you're already coming to lay in some water that other people have laid in. And again, it's totally clean. I tell people all the time, like, look, they could take a dump in the tank and you could lay next to the turd. You know, the salt water is going to kill everything gross about it. You know, like, yeah, don't touch the turd, but I'm just saying like the salt water, nothing can live in it. That's going to be harmful to you. We kept it clean. That was never an issue, but I had to deal with extreme polarization from not only my business partner who was convinced that the media was right, that scientists were right, that, and then I'd come in completely polarized with like, look, Tom Hanks is in Gitmo. Ellen DeGeneres has got a, uh, uh, an ankle bracelet on like it's, it's going down you know I, i'm sorry you can't see it but I, again i would only keep that within the business partner world as far as the customers are concerned i wouldn't wear the mask but i wouldn't do politics i wouldn't preach you know i would just do my thing and if it offended people and only offended two like i said it was another person that was just shaking you know that i wouldn't put on the mask so out of compassion for her i wore the mask again only when she was in my physical presence but as soon as they went in that float room, the mask came off. I fought it hard, man, because I just knew what, what was going on and I couldn't sit by. Because here's the thing, like, I want to be in oneness. I want to be in the center. I want to love everybody and tell the truth. But the, it, be, it became so polarizing for those two and a half, three years that you almost had, there, there was points where you did have to make a choice. Whether you, like, I don't know, you never faced this, but some people literally had to make a choice. It's like, I'm either got to get vaccinated or I'm going to lose my job, you know, and that's a very polarizing thing, you know, and, and as much as you try to avoid polarizing and, 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 you know, like I, I think yeah, to be centered and to be spiritual, to be non-judgmental, loving is to not really polarize too hard on either side. But for me, that was navigating the polarizing conditions of, you know, what mask or no mask vaccine or no vaccine left, right, liberal Democrat, the binary. And I hate to choose, but unfortunately, and I didn't agree with a lot of the stuff on the right and that, and that binary, but I'm not going to wear a mask. First of all, it looks stupid. Second of all, it didn't work, you know? And, and even if it worked, I wasn't afraid. Like, Oh, we all, it was a scam for the flu. It was a flu scam, you know, like, Oh, let's re repackage the flu as uh, this deadly thing and scare people. And then like when you're, when my dad went to the hospital, don't give him the right medicine. Let's just kill him off. You know? So I had an extreme version where I was running this business. You were lucky to kind of, I guess, sit out with your kids and, and, and stay out of the, the war zone. But I know you still had to go to restaurants. You still probably were facing situations, maybe even with your wife, you know, where she had to do or not do certain things. It was a very polarizing time to be in a space of oneness is what I'm saying. Yes, I can absolutely agree with that.
yeah, that was the challenge. And that was the, the invitation was to put to the test how heart-centered an individual could be where we could live within a highly polarized environment while being able to recognize our authentic truth while respecting other people's. And that would mean sometimes having to take a, take a stand that was a, that was for your truth, but was something that the other person might have disagreed with. And yeah. so for me, that would be in situations. I really didn't want to wear a mask. And I had an experience where I hadn't been wearing any masks yet when it had first started. But then finally, like I, I went to a restaurant and they just absolutely required it. And I was like, well, I'm going to get some food. And I had my kids with me. So I was like, you know what? We'll have fun with it. Let's put on the mask. You know, it's Halloween. <laughs> so right. I made my food and I made a post about it. And then some dude who I used to have spiritual conversations with, that was a big part of his awakening because he was younger than me. And we had a good connection, but I haven't talked to him in quite a while, but we were still friends on Instagram. And yeah, then he commented being like, you know, trashing me, basically saying like, I'm not fit to be a father because of yeah. this saying that, you know, all the information's out there and, and spirituality doesn't supersede science or whatever, you know, all those things that they say. Right. Totally. Um, yeah, he was just like, he wouldn't even like hear me out. And that's fine because he didn't have the, the capabilities of doing that. What he was doing was just barfing on me, his his projections of judgment. And that's fine. Um, so it took me a while to integrate the wisdom and the gift of that moment. But that was where I really experienced the first lashback of standing for my truth. And I decided not to be reactive to him and just honored him but saw him out and that filter of authenticity naturally is going to remove what doesn't align with us and so we we we're going to naturally run into situations but we can decide if we exit our center point when right. we're in conflict and the second we become dualistically entangled is where we're not going to be able to transmute the energy but yeah. that witness component can be still being with somebody in a different space, but having the ability to move through that without disrespect. That was the key that I, I had to learn through time. And so I had a few other experiences of being very adamant about not wearing masks. So I almost never had to wear, wear and I almost never wore a mask unless it was out of compassion, someone's comfort, or I was absolutely required to in order to get what I needed to get through that, that situation. Yeah. And that was okay with that because, like I said, like, I don't want to be a purist either and be like, oh, yeah, I'm just never going to wear a mask. It's just like, I'll do it if I absolutely need to and I'll have fun with it. I'll just have a good perspective about it because it's not going to kill me, you know? Um, so, yeah. Um, I remember specifically, I was in Sedona, Arizona, and this was in April this year. And basically, all the mandates have been dropped, but. I felt called to go to one of these metaphysical shops and lo and behold, they're requiring masks. And so I had, <laughs> and I was like, Oh, I'm like, I'm sorry. I can't, you know? So I just like walked away and I was walking down the steps, but then like my intuition, my guides, whatever, would just like go back in. And when I turned around, I happened to look at like this license plate that had Odin on. And I just connected to a Raven earlier that morning. And I had, connected as well to a, a Hopi Kachina, which is like a Native American spirit doll. Oh, yeah. I love those. Yeah. Right. And the Hopi Kachina that I connected to was the Rainbow Kachina, 
in the Rainbow Kachina is the Kachina of unity. So being able to unite all the different tribes and to be able to reconcile differences and paradoxes. And so I realized right in that moment that I was being asked to let go of my attachments to my ideas of my truth and to sacrifice that to engage in this experience. So I decided to go back in there. I said, you know what? I know it sounds weird, but I'm going to put this damn thing on. I'm going to have some fun. So he's like, oh, okay. So was, I think it like surprised him. You don't even expect that. Uh, so yeah, and what's funny was while I was in there, some guy came in and he was like me. He's like, oh, what the fuck? I'm not wearing a mask. <laughs> and then he peaced out, you know, and I got to see that thing too. So I was like, <laughs> but you know, what's cool is, you know, behind the mask, it is just this innocence that exists in all beings. You know, behind the mask of our ego is the Buddha mind, it's the true nature. And it's it's sad that we can lose touch with that and we can actually live like false constructs of who we are and never really get to know the true essence of our soul. So, so I just remember having this moment of being like, whoa, like I, I have turned back. I've been in here for like 20 minutes. I've committed to this. And now I'm having like a personal experience where this guy's opening up to me. And it was a really cool experience. I'm not going to share all the details to it, but. I just think that the Hopi Kachina afterwards, like, all right, this is the power of the yeah. and even being able to sacrifice in certain moments our ideas. And and that was just a big part of my healing journey and being able to practice oneness and not oneness being not taking any sides, so to speak, but not standing against anything, but just standing for something. Right. And finding the balance with that and not becoming fixated. You know, it's it's okay to moderate and to stretch and to flex and to put on a different mask and to take it off and to be naked or to put clothes on. Like, this is just a dance. And it's that respect component for me that is where we're able to navigate these dualistic and high-temperature environments that are very easy to get caught in. So yeah, that, yeah. That was, a, that was did, a aspect. You didn't get caught in the, the polarization as bad as I did. There was points where I was... Uh, like in dispensaries, you know, I would say, oh, they would say, oh, wear a mask. I would do the technicality. Like I would put the mask on my face, but obviously I'd like wear it on my chin. Like, you know, my nose, my mouth were exposed because yeah. I'm technically wearing a mask. I'm a loophole person. And so I would get into a space like this dispensary situation where I, you know, and the thing is too, like the mask people to this day, because I'm flying a lot lately, I can see the fear in the mask people's eyes still. It's like, it's it's terrifying actually that people are that um they've been shell shocked and traumatized that deeply that to this day they're wearing masks and you can see the fear in their eyes. But anyway, so I'm standing in the dispensary in line. I rarely go into this one because it's a drive-through one. And the woman's like, Sir, can you please wear your mask? I'm like, I'm wearing the mask. Can't you see? And and then she keeps talking again. And she's like, and I'm, and I get closer because I can't really understand what she's saying. I go, what? Right to her face with no. I mean, I wasn't compassionate like you. I didn't, I didn't straddle the center as as good as you did. And then I had a temper tantrum because because of, of just the stupidity, just so much stupidity. Mm-hmm. I th- threw the mask on the ground and I was telling everybody off. Like I didn't cuss or anything, but I'm like, this is so stupid. I go, you people need to wake up. This is a joke. You shouldn't accept this. I go, if you pe- I go, if you people were more like me, this would have never happened to begin with. Okay, because I, I in the beginning, I'm like, you know what? I'll give it a week. Uh, let's see if this is real. After a week, I said, this is bullshit. But the business partner I had 
was willing to take that PPP money, shut it down. And I was willing to fight, but I said, you know what? And I should have quit at that point. And, and here's what I'm, here's what I'm getting at. Like, honestly, at the end of the day, as much as I sacrificed to make the floating great, I honestly felt betrayed by the float itself, by the spirit of the float. And I don't know if that resonates with you, but I just want to say I was making the best floats possible. The buoyancy was perfect. The temperature was perfect. It was the best lead floats you could imagine. And I just felt slowly but surely my business partner and, and maybe the spirit of the float, you know what I mean? Like I was doing everything I can to appease the spirit of the float. And I don't even know if you believe in that, but I really, the first week I moved in there, I took LSD that, that one of those first nights and I spent the whole time getting in and out of each tank and communicating with the tank and saying like, like in days of thunder, I don't know if you've seen that movie where he's like talking to the car and he's like, take care of the guy and race the race. Right. Like I was trying to communicate with the spirit of the floating. And I felt like I had never, ever dropped the ball once on it. And at the end, I felt betrayed. I felt betrayed not only by everybody in that situation that I was tied to in that business, but by the spirit of, and I felt like maybe you were too in a way, but I would felt, I felt really honestly, I haven't told this to anybody because not too many people would understand it, but I felt absolutely betrayed by the spirit of the float. And it put a bad taste in my mouth for years. It's only been in the past year and a half that I've been able to like make peace with the situation and go get back into floating. But I had a falling out for at least a year, year and a half there where it was, I've felt betrayed by the spirit of the float. Have you ever felt something like that before? I, I like that term, the spirit of the float. And I, I respect, acknowledge, and welcome that pain, brother. I'm, I'm sorry what you've gone through with that. And obviously I can relate to my journey as well. And also I, I just want to respect, give you respect and accolades for just expressing your authentic wild truth in that moment, you know, just slamming that mask. Like, yeah, I know compassion wasn't there and that's okay. Like that's just the authentic human experience. So I just want to respect that truth of where you were at. And I, I did for anybody. That's honestly where I got to. I was like, I don't care what fucking side you are. I'm just going to. Well, that was the thing too. I, I felt, I felt like to have a temper chance from like, that was almost like a righteous axe. I was welding that people needed to see it. Like, cause nobody mm -hmm. else was, you know what I mean? Like I didn't feel like an asshole. I felt like they were seeing something that they actually needed to see to break them out of their spell. You know what I mean? So uh, as yeah. much as I had temper tantrums, I felt there was a righteousness to it. And again, I wasn't mean or evil. I'm just like, wake yeah. up people. This is fucking retarded. Right. And who knows? Like somebody might've woken up from that. You know? I th yeah. You know what I mean? I totally, it, it was always worth it for me, but anyway, back to the spirit of the float. Yeah. yeah and I just want to say my thing, like at least like what you were anchoring there in that moment, though, was the passion for freedom. Yeah. You know? And just like the sadness and despair of like seeing so, so much of us indulge and, in the the suffocation of this false construct so good on you brother for anchoring that fire lighting Thank a fire up their ass you know? i hope um and i feel like the way this leads into the spirit of the float and being betrayed by that yeah you know i can see how that led to that that experience and so obviously everything's a matter of perception and here we are opening the doors of perception and for me Brandy actually had the similar experience to you where she like felt betrayed. She was very hurt by it for a while. And mm -hmm. for me, my experience was I, I saw that the spirit of the flow had provided so much powerful transformational experiences that it's, 
its container and its vessel and everybody involved couldn't couldn't go that far with me, so to speak. Mm -hmm. And so if anything, what it did was it lovingly pushed us out of a environment that no longer served us. You're, you're absolutely right. And I, I did, you know, 2020 vision looking back what I call, I, I came to see how bad it was getting there for me, especially like, Dude. you know, maybe it was doing me a favor, but I still felt so betrayed by how much sacrifice, like hours, overnight floats, people on mushrooms, holding space for people crying, you know, like, and, and then, and then at the end to be ousted by people who didn't give a shit about the float only cared about putting their fucking law office in there with a yoga room. And, and just like, you know, the floating became secondary. And I always, from, from the beginning, always fought for the float. I said, this is why people are coming here, not for yoga. Let's be honest. As much as they did have classes going, it wasn't paying the bills. It's being sold now for a reason. Because I watched the schedules after I left and they get worse and worse and worse and worse because I was there like you every single day, putting my blood, sweat and tears on the line for these people that after the fact, this is another reason I was upset. All these people I helped, uh, all these people I sat for with hours that were members and cried to me and told me all their bullshit and I didn't judge them and I and I let them say things to me that they couldn't say to anybody else. I didn't hear from anybody except for maybe two people after I was out of that place. And those are people I was friends with anyway. So that was to be expected. But that was another part of the betrayal was I spent so much time and energy and you know it wasn't for nothing because I felt like it was a great learning experience and the floats helped me tremendously and I'm still here supporting it. I've come back around. Um, but I felt tremendously betrayed on so many levels by people who were morons, people who I thought were my friends, um, the float itself. Like I said, like I spent hours and hours and hours dedicating myself to making sure that water was pristine, perfect. You know, you know, in the beginning, it was like a cartoon, right? It was like a dam that was about to bust at every second. Holes were popping out and I have to put my finger there. Oh. There's another problem there. I got to put my finger in that hole, you know, hiding like a magician, like a sleight of hand, pushing your direction this way. So you don't see the giant crack in the wall or, you know, God forbids nobody slipped and fell on those tiles. But, you know, I gave everything. And then to be kicked out in the manner that I was like, it was just a huge betrayal. And it took me, like I said, about a year and a half to get over it. But I, I did see ultimately what you were saying, which was, you know, it did me a favor and I saw the truth for what it was finally. And, um, you know, I'd outgrown it. And, and, and the thing was too, knowing they weren't going to expand in the way I wanted to, it was a dead end for me. Beautiful. Thank you for sharing about it. Yeah, man. So I know, I know that, uh, we, we didn't have the same exact, but that's what I mean. Like is the place, like it was a place where people, I looked at you as a, it was a partnership. Yours was the, you and Derek and mine was mine and we can't say, but um, because I signed a piece of paper that said I wouldn't disparage the place. But anyway, I felt like after leaving, I'm like, you know what? This place is cursed for people that are business partners. Um, this is a one owner situation. And let me look where that's going now. I don't know what's going to happen to the place. I almost secretly thought about buying it. You know? <laughs> me too. <laughs> but 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 it, I came to the conclusion that it's just, it's financially never going to be a winner because of the upside down rent situation. And the inability to add more tanks ultimately because the ownership of the building, the layout of the building, the noise situation, the crime next door, the place was, you know, that jujitsu place was always being broken into. 
Uh, even when I was even when I was living there, people were breaking into the jujitsu place. Wow. <laughs> yeah, man. Yeah, man. Was, this, this is this is what I call the nitty gritty. Having these conversations, getting into the nitty gritty of things. Yeah. So. Well, this is a real conversation. This isn't right. like this is this this is something we'd have over the phone. Right. Right. <laughs> and here we which are. Is, yeah, which is fine. That's how I want it to be. But I'm just like. There's very few people I can express my grief to in regards to this situation that would actually understand all the components involved, like the building and the business partner situation and you know the, the way you can or can't expand. Only you really could understand. And you really, like, you're a spiritual brother in the, in the, in the fact that I do feel like you did the same, man. You really, I felt like you, I felt like the float betrayed you too, in a way. Yeah. And I... I can relate with that. And so I, I would like to and not invalidate that in any way. It's beautiful to know that everything is always happening for our highest good, but that wisdom can't fully dawn on us without first embracing the pain that got us there. And <clears throat> yeah, man, a lot of pain. Holy cow. Yeah. A lot yeah. of sacrifice from my end. I remember before I'd even met my wife, Brandy, through that process, because that's how I met her, was through the business adventure. Yeah, I was slaving away, man. But well, you were a business partner too on paper, supposedly, yeah. and then that, and over time through things that happened, that was taken away from you as well, right? And by a friend, I would say rightfully so, due to the nature of some things we we're going through. Right. I didn't have any argument towards it, and and ultimately ended up being it ended up being the the seed of showing that it was never meant to last. And yeah, and so speaking into that, well, yeah, yeah, I love this. I love getting vulnerable about this particular experience and it's something that we can literally relate to. It's crazy. Ah, yeah. Here, yeah, here's what I can say is that we both put our heart and soul into that, no doubt about it. And it, there is a lot of beauty to have had the opportunity to have been invited, you know, because right. we needed the investor. We needed the, the brains to be able to run it behind the scenes and takes care of the taxes and right. all that crap, you know. But like, I didn't really want to do that. I just wanted to be able to be the person who nurtured the place and was able to keep the heart alive. That's that's what that's what I was the heart of the, the, the center. And then you became the heart of the center. You know, we were that flame that kept it warm. Right. And. Yeah, man, just what an honorable position to be in. And just that alone to me is just why the gift is so powerful. And no wonder why it's so painful for that to in a way have been taken care taken from us. Because it's like, we did that, you know, like we put all the energy and it kind of reminds me of this like masculine feminine dynamic where the masculine societally or historically has this power over the feminine, you know, and they have to subordinate themselves as the marrying maiden, as it's said in the, the I Ching, to a overpowering source. And that was essentially what happened for us is it was a beautiful harmonic relationship for a period of time. But then as evolution was slowly birthing new re rela relation and reality for us, the heat started to have to turn up. It's like, all right, let's, let's start to get the bullshit in here so that way a, a separation couldn't occur because we were so attached to it. It's like, I'll never fucking leave this place. Like, look at the yeah. connections I have. Look at how I built this place from, the, from fucking up down. 
Like I have, I have a clientele who I've been seeing for years and there's just, I couldn't possibly choose to leave. And so in a way that was like also the hidden gift behind the heat and all the drama that occurred because that was almost what was necessary to get us out of there. Right. Exactly. I feel that 100%, dude. Cause yeah. it's like, you know, you're not going to expand any further. So this is the growing pains of breaking out. You know, yeah. I, I, I totally feel that. And it was hard to accept it when I, it was just the amount of betrayal was just unbelievable. Right. Um, but you know, seeing that from a different perspective, which the kind of where you're, what you're talking about, I was able to make peace with it, which was, you know, this is, this place isn't going anywhere. I'll never own it. It's in a shitty location. You know, God bless it. I love the place. And I'm so thankful for all the memories I had with you. And, and I'll tell you, man, the first year I was there running it full time, I can't tell how many people, how many great stories people would tell me about you and their experiences there with you. It was never, and, and God bless Derek too, but it was never about him. You know, I never heard stories about how great Derek was and all the fun that they had there. So uh, it was, it was a great honor to be your spiritual successor in that place. Right. And, um, you know, I, I felt the same way. Like I wouldn't, I never would want to leave outside of somebody like kicking me out, you know? Right. So yeah. I'm glad, I'm, I'm glad it happened though, because I'm working on, potentially starting a new one. Like I said, it took me a while to even want to care about floating. Um, but I still obviously kept talking about spirituality and, and psychedelics, and all the things that floating had opened up for me, healing modalities of healing. Um, but it's only been in the past, probably since the last interview I did with the guy that had one float center or one float tank. When I realized, you know what, I was just under a bad business model. And if you do it right, it can be profitable and you can be happy doing it, you know, like it is backbreaking work. You don't do it to get rich, but it is very rewarding on a very profound spiritual level. And I, and I saw that with you every day, man, it was, you were the model that, uh, every day until I got kicked out of there, I would always think about you in one way or the other, um, situations we had gone through or like you living in the back or, you know, like the night we did mushrooms and we saw the UFO like over the lake or something, you know, stuff like that. <laughs> Oh man, yeah. Wow. Yeah, yeah. No, it's cool. I had some people that I ended up developing a personal relationship outside of the, the business. They called me the Zen Master. That, that's what I was like. Oh, yeah. was Zen Master, yeah. you know, it was the throne. So yeah, man, you got to take the throne to be the Zen Master. Mm -hmm. and that was just so cool, like to have that. And it's just awesome to hear that you know people had some stories to share with you about me and them and their experience and ah wow yeah it was just such a wonderful experience and there's a, a saying that success is not defined by what we attain or what we get from something it's it's defined by who we become through the experience right and you know that treasure being something that's internal and intrinsic from that point on that when we leave it's not a matter of what we had but the effect that we had on the world and that just like in that moment you had, you know, it's slamming that mask in that, that place and kind of just like be like, yo, freedom, you know, like fucking William Wallace over here getting his balls chopped off. It's like freedom. Yep. But right there, like, and, and you know, all those experiences we had being at TZF and just anchoring and facilitating sacred space and for people to, have a rare opportunity to connect to themselves, but then to have someone like out on the other side, this big smile, like, welcome back. And it's like, ah, 
we just went down the rabbit hole and now my third eye's open. Or like now I feel more heart centered and now I'm going to go have that conversation that I need to have or make that change that I know I've been waiting for. And it's just, there's just so much unspoken truth that was rippled by, by the effect of the role that we were in and holding. And that is ultimately what TZF provided was this vessel for beings of light to be able to have a temple for other shards of creator to wake up, you know, like on a very simple way. And that's what this whole float universe is about, you know, floating. It's like we're we're floating, we're suspended. Gravity has been suspended. That 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 stuff that holds us into limitation or away from our true supreme consciousness. You know, that's what floating is. And then this universe component is just it encompasses the all. And just archetypally speaking, it's just so cool that we had the honor of being able to go through that. We attract that in our lives. And it was written, you know, we were meant to meet each other and do what we did. And so, yeah, like, it's like of all the people to have been the predecessor, it's like, it's you. <laughs> you know, like, that's just so cool. Yeah, and, man. Yeah, man. I, so that, that's it. Come a full circle. Just what an honor. And It's interesting that you say full circle, too, because I find myself now at the end of this journey I just had going right back to the basics of reading those books again and, and developing an even deeper spiritual practice, thinking I had conquered it all. Like when I had manifested, I felt like I had manifested living there and running the place because I didn't have to pay any money. Now, obviously I pay with my clout. I pay with my blood, sweat and tears, but I was able to, and, and again, I didn't sign any non-compete or anything. Um, I wanted to have a contract in the beginning, but she was against that. She, you know, I found out only about I found out about halfway through the experience that I wasn't an actual business partner, and I and I only think that happened because of the of the the, the pandemic lockdown and the, the change in politics, where mm -hmm. she's decided that I don't want to be this guy's friend anymore. I don't want you know I don't want him to be a business partner, and so I almost felt like suing at the end for all this all these hours I worked. You know, because if I would have known I wasn't, I only worked so hard and gave so much because I had, a, I, I, I was convinced I had a vested interest in, you know, as like an owner. Right. And if I would have, if I, if I would have known at the beginning of the pandemic that I wasn't an owner, that I had no vested interest in, in, in seeing this thing through, I probably would have stopped right there and there. Um, but it was only through the revealing of the pandemic where you got to see not only where you uh, are and, and who you are as a man and what you're willing to stand for and not stand for, but where other people are too, you know? And, and so it helped me see, it was very apocalyptic, you know, meaning the veil had been lifted to a lot of things that prior to, I wouldn't have, you know, we were just weed buddies, you know, that's how we, so w w me and her were weed buddies that had a mutual friend. I used to get her weed when she did, couldn't get it on her own. And then one day I, Derek's like, I'm selling the place. I'm like, all right, I said, you better go, hey, business partner, you better go float for the last time because I don't think they're going to be around much longer. And that's when she said, how much? <laughs> you know, and, and then and then will you will you help me run it? I'm like, absolutely. So I thought it was, uh, you know, I thought I had arrived, right? All my enlightenment, all my work, all my spiritual practice was really starting to pay off. And that's why another reason I felt so betrayed in the end, I go, well, I guess I'm not that enlightened after all, because this whole fucking thing fell apart, <laughs> you know? So there was a lot of, yeah, but I totally manifested the entire situation where 
I got to basically ride, and that's another reason I was able to make peace was I was able to ride this magic carpet for like two and a half years, two and a quarter years, where I didn't have to pay for any other ride. I got to ride it like hell. Every other week I was doing mushrooms, um, acid, or I was hosting a hot chick or a cool, like an internet person off Instagram. Uh, you know, like, oh, let's do mushrooms and acid and blah, blah, blah. Like I was having a good time. Don't get me wrong. I had a great time. I'm sure you did too. Um, cause we did, I know me and you did, and I know you probably had all kinds of adventures with other people as well. So to be able to offer that to people, a once in a lifetime experience, really, because how many times you can actually know somebody that owns a float tank and is hip to the psychedelic world, right? You really, cause I remember one of the first or second times, I think it was maybe the second time I floated, you were there and, you know, I had hinted at psychedelics and you were like, yeah, man, <laughs> yeah. you know, in so many words, I mean, you didn't say that, but basically that's was the gist of it. Yeah, no. And I'm like, and I'm like, all right, this is what I really want to do. So yeah, all this stuff, you're, you're the seed of it. And you know, it, it, yeah, it, we are, we have come full circle and I'm going to go back to the Tao, go back to centering myself. And maybe if the float gods are receptive, if, if I've learned my lessons, you know, if I'm even supposed to do this, it'll happen again. But I, I am very thankful for the magic carpet ride I got to have. And I'm not, uh unaware of that right so and I, and I think you you as well like you know it was a it was a spiritual teaching that you can't you couldn't pay for mm. that's right yeah yeah it, it was you couldn't pay for it it was given to us freely in a way right and but you know when we look back at it from the wounded part we're going to think oh something was taken from us but as we learned from the Tao Te Ching is that in every gain is lost and every loss is gain you know the, the basic uh yin yang precept so yeah, it's just so interesting. Wow. Yeah, I, I'm just, I, I was, I was about to say I'm in forever debt, but it's like it's been paid, you know, because I, I left it all on the table there, and. Well, yeah, heard... you, you, you spawned me too, because that's the thing I think about how many people I influence. I'm like, how many people do they influence? Like you influenced me, and I influence a ton of people online. You know what I mean? And you influence so many other people that I'm sure on their workplace or their home right. life, yeah. like you right. know what I mean? Like it, it, it's a huge like web of connection and right. you could affect one person and that person might affect millions of people and but you but you were the one that did it actually you were the one that affected me to do i mean to basically sacrifice my prior life to understand the deeper nature of reality if it was even possible to learn like that was what i was trying to do is like okay is there a god how does reality work is there any kind of way to push or pull it is manifesting real do these psychedelics you know can i take anything from the psychedelic realm to make myself rich or or, or, or spiritually powerful, you know, as a spiritual ego thing. But, you know, still like questions I never would have asked otherwise that you were there to, and I can't tell you how many times I come out of that tank and we would riff for at least a half hour to an hour, maybe longer than that, about the deeply profound questions and the nature of reality and gods and goddesses and the Tao Te Ching and Jesus, Krishna, everything. Also bang. <laughs> yeah the whole universe yeah man yeah well yeah yeah yeah, yeah no i i wanted to share like one thing when you were talking about the, the ripple effect of like you know how i'd helped influence how far you've come and and how you've done that for some people and i i have one memory of someone that i decided to pull behind the curtain so to speak you know like come come to my room back here. You know, we're going to, we're going to have the deeper talk. You know, this is, yeah. 
This is where the initiate gets to come in, or the elect, so to speak. And ended up developing a good friendship with this person. He became an avid floater. He, he got an unlimited as well, I think, or a four-pack, I can't remember. But he was coming at least four times a week. And he basically did the same thing as you. He was taking high doses of stuff. And mm-hmm. he was going hard. And I really helped him a lot on being able to understand the nature, so to speak, of those yeah. experiences. Just And he just kept taking those things with him. And turns out that we hadn't spoken for a while because, you know, I, I think I'd moved to Asheville at that point. And so I think it was sometime I was here in North Carolina that I had gotten in touch with him. And it was the last time I spoke to him. So I lost his number or something. I don't know what happened, but I no longer have contact with him. But he said that he ended up becoming a motivational speaker in Hawaii and was like a massive coach and mentor for people and was making a lot of money and influencing a lot of people. And that, that, that was thanks to the, the awakenings that he had at, at the center. Yeah. So I was just like, dude, that's nuts, man. Look at that shit. Like that's, that's all it takes, you know, is again, it, it comes back to success being what we become and that impact being on how we've affected people in, in, in this world. And just to see that alone and then to see how far freaking float the universe comes. It's just awesome. It's just two people. Uh, and, and yeah. And like, and, and I'm grateful that I was able to play that role, but even then it's just like, all right, we take you to the next step. And it's like, I was given this opportunity and I just filled in the space, you know, as a conduit. Yeah. And then when it was my time to leave, it's like, all right, let's bring Garrett in here. Now he's going to be the one to per- to perfectly fill this role in this position that was so honored by the, the predecessor. And like, you know, it's just so cool um, to, to see this and to just see the value of how we can affect other people's lives and what it means to, to live a good life. And this might take somewhat of a different term, but ultimately that's, that's really like what the center was about. It was about people becoming empowered by connecting to themselves through this experience, but then having the community with the Zen masters, you know, or my wife um, to be able to support and help facilitate and to be like, yes, being connected to yourself is the way this is what it feels like. And I'd love to commune with you on that. And so to not only have a personal experience, but then to be able to relate with somebody else and then expand beyond that point, that's, that's what made it so precious. Yeah, not only for myself, but then I know for the other people, and just to hear again for you and for this guy in Hawaii, and who, who knows who else? You know, I don't even know who else. I'd love to hear some of these stories that you have. You know, from the people being like, "Yeah, me and Will." You know, just like, "Whoa, like, I'm, this is so cool." <laughs> yeah. I mean, the guy that used to come in there, I forget his name, with the long hair. He'd come in like every once in a while on a Saturday. He would jam out in the flight tank to music. I forget his name. If you said it, I remember it. He, oh, he had his wife, and they were in like a band. Like they played music together. Oh, oh, oh! Um, Armand and Angelina. Yes. Oh my gosh. Yeah. That guy talk every time he would come in until the day I left there. He would talk about you and how great you were and, and the good times you guys had. Um, what's his name too? Filippelli, uh, Dante. Yep. Yeah, there's a lot of other people. If I really sat here and thought about it. Steve um, yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> well, there was a cop. There was a cop there too. What was his name? Did you ever? <laughs> And then he ultimately shifted out of that job because I think of a lot of conversations we had, but I think he was also under your tutelage as well, but he was a Castleberry cop. Cause he sure. talked, he talked about you a lot. Okay. Um, 
but yeah, man, you, you affect a lot of people and the float universe is still out here floating around. And, you know, I, I think about the name float universe too, cause I don't sink, right. I, uh, no matter what happens, I always float right back up to the top and, um, I'm unsinkable. So, you know, and the thing is too, I never told anybody this, but the last day when I was getting shit canned, like I was being almost forcibly removed out of there. Um, and it was, it was a long time coming too, because there was like a month and a half where I would see people that were like once in a week floaters, once in a month floaters. And I'm like, look, like one of the woman's name was Diana. She had short hair. I don't know if you remember her. Um, but she would come every Sunday, uh, like once every two weeks. And there were certain people I had had a connection with, and she was one of them. I'm like, look, I, you know, the way things are going, I don't know if I'm ever going to see you again, if I'm going to be here next week or next month, whenever you come in next, but it's been a pleasure to serve you, and thank you so much. Because I just knew at a, at a certain point the writing was on the wall, and it was coming. I just didn't know when and how. And so the morning I got shit-canned, um, because it, it, I should have saw the writing on the wall like that weekend while my password privileges were taken away from all the all the accounts and stuff. I'm like, oh, that's weird. <laughs> but, but, but I didn't think anything of it at first. I'm like, no, there's no way I'm just going to get ousted out of here. But then I was fighting the guy that she that I had actually personally brought on and taught my ways kind of similar to how, you know, like with you, like you didn't really, you know, at the end say you're going to be my successor. But okay. this is how this is how I was kind of looking at it with this guy. I'm like, well, I'm going to teach him my ways as much as possible. But ended up she she wanted to put him on my schedule and, and start taking my hours out and, and, and under the guise of like giving me more free time but i didn't want that because my passion was with the floating and i said you know what dude sit home uh, this is my day these are my people because i felt a loyalty to the customers too like they would be disappointed that you know i give people extra time i know the music they like i know the temperature i know all the nuance to making sure these people have a kick -ass, a kick-ass time and I said, no, dude, I'm coming in. You tell her whatever you want, but don't come in on Sunday. And he told her, and then things like I could start to feel the walls close around me. Well, anyway, that morning, that morning when I was shit canned, she ends up saying, you know what? I thought out of this situation that I would be the one teaching you, but truthfully, you're the one that taught me. You taught me. Like, and she was trying to be nice, but she's also being like stern and stuff, like, you know, to kick me out of there and, Cause I didn't like it, man. I, I didn't want to, I didn't want to face the, except And my dad was in the hospital at the time too. And that was another thing I was kicking myself about. I'm like, damn, I spent all this time at the end worrying about this dumbass job when my dad was in the hospital being, getting killed by these damn doctors when I should have been there fighting for it more, but it took me a long time to get over that too. But, but she ended up telling me I'm the one that taught her. So, you know, I ended up ultimately making peace with every single thing about it, especially as I watched it melt down without me there. People complain. I saw the things online. The schedule get less and less. And I'm not wishing ill ill on the place, but it does. It is nice to feel vindicated, you know. Yeah. So I'm, I've made my peace with that place. I hope it goes to. I, I honestly don't think it's going to continue. Uh, I think it's going to shut down at some point. This is my personal just opinion on knowing the insides and outs of it. And guess what? Her husband was a secret third partner, right? That was the other problem I was facing. It wasn't just two people. It was, and I know you and your you and your wife and him and his wife, that was a different situation. It was like two versus two, um, you know, with what's her name. But, and and she's great too. And no, no ill feelings about any Derek, any you, Brandy, anybody like that. But 
I was against a third silent partner because without her husband, all these things that were being built, like this guy could fabricate and build anything, right? You know what I'm talking about. Yeah, yeah. And without him, we definitely wouldn't have succeeded because the place was so shitty when we took over. To, to hire an outside contractor would have been unattainable, right? Unaffordable. So for him to fabricate, like he gutted that entire Oasis room during the pandemic. I have all the pictures and everything. I have everything well-documented, by the way. One thing I want to end with is I am working on a documentary about the place in my time there. I have been waiting for it to be sold so I can just be clear of this bullshit with her. Um, and, and not that I would even talk about the name on the documentary. I would still like kind of like blur that out, you know? Um, but I am, and, and I think you'll be a part of that. And somehow I do, have, I do have a lot of pictures of you and videos from the time you guys were there. So that'll be a part of the journey. But um, that place wouldn't have gotten six months after we took over. Wouldn't have lasted more than that with the way it was set up when we took it over. He put in the new shower. He dug a trench with a jackhammer through concrete uh, from the Oasis room all the way. He put in a washer and dryer. He, uh, everything dude he probably did 60 70 grand worth of contracting work that we didn't have to pay for you know so there was that was the other thing i was that a lot of people don't know is i was fighting this secret battle against two people and and really she came to me one day and she's like look he wants you out he's like he wants you out now i, I told him to give you a month i'm like oh okay i see how it is now like i, I really felt super betrayed at that point too because it's like Luckily, I had a friend. I got to live in this mansion. So again, like it all worked out for me because I got to move from the float center to this beautiful mansion in Winter Park and live there for like six months until my dad died. Um, but I was at that point, I was commuting uh, 10 minutes from Winter Park and I would get there still at five o'clock. I, I would float every day, too. I mean, how many times did you actually float when you were running the show there? Because I would float almost every day, at least once for two years, usually at like five in the morning. Yeah, that was that was my consistency. Uh, I honestly lost count. I don't know, but at least three hundred times that I yeah. floated. And yeah, I remember towards the end, I ended up living only right down the road from it, so it was about a five minute bike ride. Yeah, I remember that. Yeah, yeah, um, I loved that that time. I just had such an awesome routine. I woke up really early, drank my tea, rode my bike, you know, warmed my body up, opened it up. Rode my bike there, did my yoga sesh, and then I hopped in the float tank and went to work. And even on my off days, I would do that. So, yeah, it was just it was a, man, it was a fun time. I did that for. So honestly, yeah, I don't. But yeah, I was floating a lot. I definitely took advantage and milked that, and that was just such a good time. One more thing I want to speak to before we start to wrap it up here is frequency and location. And I also feel like I've quit weed now for about a month and. This time when I quit, it wasn't a desire to like really quit, but more of a, a necessity and my location being here in Wisconsin, it's not legal. It's the weed is shitty having less access to it. It was like a slow tapering off that I didn't get to choose. And so I was able, like, it, I've always believed that weed would leave on its own because I've tried many times on my own to push it away. And I almost think that creates like a ping pong ball effect where you hit it out, but it's going to come back just as hard, if not harder. And so it finally left long story short is. I think we all exist on different frequencies and, and the frequencies is a lot of you know, are dictated by our mental and our heart energy, but also our biochemical, I think plays a part in that too. And I think as I quit and my frequency shifts out of that, whatever you want to call that marijuana frequency, a heavy 
very heavy use. Um, I don't know if you smoke anymore. I, I know last time we talked, you you took one hit and you were stoned for like you know all night, which was great. You know that's awesome. Um, but I feel like we're talking tonight because our frequencies are matching, or 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 they're you know what I mean. They're much closer than they've ever been in a long time. Yes, I can agree with that. Yeah, I. So to answer your question, I almost do not smoke at all. Like I haven't. I can't remember the last time I've smoked the real stuff. Right. Like I've got all these alternative things, which honestly work great for me. Like the Delta, the Delta, yeah. THCA and all these. Was, that, that was what I had here is the THCA. I'm like, this is bullshit compared to the real thing. But yeah, right. I feel you though. Yeah. I've got all these medicines and gummies and I, it was actually before I went to Sedona for the first time in April this year, I'd had a really profound dream where my house was really dark and dirty. And one of the things I had to put away before going on a walk with Kuan Yin into the midst of this open space was my smoking chest. It's like where I had all of my gear. Right. For some reason, I was on the washer machine and I felt like I needed to hide that because I knew that like she was going to come, you know. Mm -hmm. And so I ever since then, I actually have very sparingly done it. And when I do, uh, I try and treat it sacredly, you know, that it would, yeah. it's a medicine, it's a tool, it's a sacrament. And so always set and setting like with psychedelics is so important, but same thing with weed and even alcohol, even tobacco, tobacco is such a sacred medicine for many of the indigenous people. And it's, it's something I actually use more often than I do marijuana. Uh, and um, I use that as a form of prayer. And that's something that I adopted from sitting with the medicine community here and doing sweat lodges and doing peace pipe uh, ceremonies and, seeing how tobacco is is an important tool not just for smoking but for prayer literal prayer they call it the mm -hmm. wi-fi it's natural wi-fi and that we can set our intention into the smoke and, and blow it in and the great spirit and the guardians and the elements they'll respond to that it's a form of magic how so, do you do it how do you do it ceremonially i know you're not sitting there smoking a cigarette so what do you do you can use a cigarette if you want to um, right but you're not you're not smoking marlboros is what i'm saying you're probably oh, no. rolling you're probably rolling your own yes yeah, so you can roll your own you can join papers whatever it is and with anything it's just having a proper intention so making sure it's like all right like i'm here i'm out here and i'm gonna just take a couple moments to breathe and just express some gratitude i always think at the very least gratitude if you can and just something like that and then you can tailor it to whatever you feel is resonant at that time and go through that process. So it's very intuitive for me. And I then work with the medicine at that point. And then I'll, if I'm feeling cold, I'll actually do breath work with it and do breath holds and allow the medicine to saturate. And it really can have a strong effect. And then other things happen that I don't think are necessary to share in this experience because that's a little bit more personal ritual work for me. Mm -hmm. But nonetheless, the, the point, of course, is that that can be used medicinally, just like I said, even wine. You know, we, we can drink the blood of Christ at a Eucharist ceremony at our altar in our corner of our home. And it can just be one glass and it can be something that someone decides to open their Bible to or whatever if they want. Or like, it's really how we define our experience. That's what's going to matter. It's our perception. And so when it comes to back to marijuana or um, whatever way we would use that, for me, it's it's rare, but sacred. And that's been my experience recently. So yeah, coming full circle with this whole frequency thing, I, I did pick up on that. I was like, oh yeah, he's not smoking anymore. And I'm I'm not really. So 
maybe this is now it. This is the harmonic resonance, and uh, this is cool. Yeah, right. So, so you are a believer in that a believer in like frequency and 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 location and and vibratory states and like a like a radio station. We're finally back on uh, the same station, you know, in a way. And uh, I, I guess we both kind of needed this closure too with the float center because right. as, as much as I've had closure with it, you know, talking to you about it and, and, and releasing more out there to the world about what happened to me and, and how it went down. And, you know, I, it's bittersweet. I have so many good memories. Luckily I have so many, like so many videos and pictures, like I said, doing a documentary about my time there um, that I'll, I can always go back and live in that space of when it was just like, you know, I just put 15, 20 people in the tank on a Saturday. It's a it's a golden sunrise out on that lake, you know, behind the, the float center. I'm smoking a joint. I felt like I've helped so many people. I'm going to get in the tank now and I'm going to get do it again tomorrow. I can those those are great days for me, you know, and I'm, I'm sure you had a lot of those days, too, where it was just like you, you did a phenomenal job. You helped a lot of people. You were having a good time doing it and you were just in the zone, man. It was just uh, I mean, that place had its moments for sure. But I'm I'm very thankful for what you gave me there. I'm thankful for the place. I'm thankful for my my business partner too. As as much as we had a falling out, um, you know, it, it was a wonderful journey that I got to ride this magical carpet for basically two years for free and live in a float center and live to tell the tale. So I know we're gonna have you back on, and uh, we're gonna get deeper into the psychedelic stuff because I know we both have some wild stories. I remember some of the you know, your festival stories and you're taking it over the edge a little bit too far and all the things that you were channeling and it was wild times, man. We didn't get into that tonight, but that was definitely a huge part of that too, which was, what was it? Matreya or somebody? I forget the, the God you were, or, or uh, I can't remember the name. Kaliku, Kaliki. Kalki, Kalki. Kalki. I remember the Kalki period. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, man. Looking back at it, it's all archetypal, but that's, we're definitely going to save that for another podcast yet yeah, yeah. There's, there's so much we could talk about and i love chatting so yeah we, well any, anything else you want to uh, i'll leave it to you anything anything you want to say about anything you know god float center anything yeah yeah so yeah really what i'm getting right now is that you know everything is sacred whether we realize it or not and what we we'll learn from tibetan buddhism is that everything is the buddha mind the only difference between an enlightened being and any other sentient being is that the enlightened being has taken time to polish the mirrors and remove the obscurations. Mm -hmm. We're not cultivating wisdom. We're remembering our, uh, our wisdom state. And so when it comes to, you know, the experience that we had, particularly here with the center, the temple, this beautiful place, what we're, we're seeing is that Okay, what's coming through is the there's this this quote from the Law of One, you know that series of yeah yeah oh yeah raw yeah um, they say that wherever you are you're always in the womb of the infinite creator the one infinite creator and so you know it's kind of like oh is this place cursed or is it a blessing well it's both you know because it's mm -hmm. dual um, but like the truth is it's it's the womb of the creator you know and wherever we go that's that's where we are and. I, like I have a very good brother of mine. He's a very powerful spiritual person, but he works at Walmart. And it's like, this, this is something that he feels weird about sometimes. He's like, dude, like, look at me being the type of person I am working at in Walmart. 
It's like, what am I doing? But then I saw how he had the shift in perspective of being like, well, wait, like, I can make the best out of this. You know, just basic, simple change of perspective. But like right. what we're realizing right there is just like with the marijuana or, or the tobacco or the wine. It's like you can decide to treat this sacred or not. That, right. That's what this all gets down to. And when it comes to challenging experiences and going through something like what we've gone through together and we can relate to is it, it all comes full circle on the reflection and being able to see the sacred hidden within the profane or the mundane, that yuckiness and how the, the lotus blossomed from the mud, you know, like that's, that's what's happening always. And yeah, so I can see how that's, that's what this, this time for us right now is signifying. And, and we can become stronger through experiences. Sometimes in life, we might be like, oh, life's beating me down. And people can mm -hmm. degrade over time, literally. And, but there is an opportunity for the heroic arc of redemption where it's like, no, like, everything that I once was can lead to who I'm truly meant to be. Mm -hmm. And we can look back and literally thank every single thing, every single enemy, every single shadow, every single difficult circumstance can be recognized as the Buddha mind, as the mud for the blossom or for the lotus to blossom. That that's like really what I feel this this is culminating to this this conversation today and just how far I've come in my journey now. It's we opened that in 2013 center and it's freaking 2023, man. That's a whole decade. Look at that shit. Um, it's wild, man. It's wild. Yeah. And I, I'm almost in tears at the end of this interview of how much I've been able to go back to that space of all the good times we had. And yeah, like good, sweet and bitter, yin, yin and yang, you know, it's all the same. And I, I, I'm like you, it's, I'm a pro annoia person instead of paranoia, it's pro annoia. Everything's working mm -hmm. out for me. You know, even even the bad things, even the deaths, even the being let go, even the uh, stumbles across the the way, and 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 I see it perfectly with this job I'm currently doing, which was everything led up to the job I have now, which was all these skill sets I've acquired along the way. And so I always emphasize to people like, look, you might not like your job at Walmart now or or whatever you're doing, um, but somehow, some way, it's perfect and it's going to be used in the future uh, to a greater degree. So you know, work and be humble and be, you know, as happy and, and, and try to get into that state of mind where it is working out for you somehow, some way, even against the, you know, the worst potential circumstances you, and a lot of it's just mental too. It's like, oh, you know, I, I think that these people just, they think a certain thing and it starts to perpetuate itself and they spiral down. Right. But you can also spiral upward, I believe. But anyway, that's another conversation for another time. It's been such a good talk tonight, man. It really was actually spiritually healing for me to have this conversation. I didn't know. I didn't have any notes. I didn't need notes with you um, because just telling your story from the inception of the float center to your, your, your leaving it to me kind of not taking over, but your spiritual successor and all that I went through. I, I know that um, the mirror stands as I would tell people, right? That uh, we, we are reflections and it's all about polishing that mirror. And I just thank you again and, and, and tell Brandy I said hi. And then thank you too. Like there was many times I'd sit in that float center where you weren't there and I would listen to her talk about her life and what she was going through, or we'd have a direct conversation about something spiritual and I would, you know, get something from it, you know? So I didn't ever take her for granted. Uh, even Derek and Nicole, even my business partner, I learned so much 
and I am profoundly thankful to have uh, rode the car- rode the magic carpet for free and have lived to tell the tale. So thank you. Oh, oh, yeah, man. Thank you, thank you. All right, man. Well, you are enlightened. Uh, as always, uh, last words. Ah, I love you, brother. Love you too, man. And I look forward to how our, our journey progresses from here on out. Uh, this is this is an important time, and I trust that you know what we're feeling is what we're healing, and this healing is not just our own, but it's the collective. So, whoever's involved in listening to this, you know, they'll be able to participate somehow, some way, in the archetypes that are hidden within, within all. Well, this. that's the thing too. Yeah, I know a lot of people secretly listen uh, that we know. So, it'll be interesting to see how this cascades into the outer reality. But uh, yeah, man, you are enlightened. Naho, you are too, brother.